We live at a time when we all want to be free and be able to determine our own destinies. And yet that leaves us so empty and afraid and alone. And it is a true blessing to hear the good news that we are not our own, but we belong body and soul in life and in death to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Be assured, we are not our own. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for for your welcome to us in this time and place. Father, we are grateful for your work in us to bring us here and to prompt our prayers and praises and offerings. Lord, we are grateful for how you speak to us and assure us that we belong to you. Lord, we ask in these next few minutes that you speak to us through your word read and proclaimed. Lord, help us to hear you. And we ask that you speak to us with words of of comfort and also of challenge. Speak to each one of us as we have need this morning. We ask, we pray, and we plead. Amen. So we're in the week after Easter. We have this week and next week left in the Gospel of Luke. And we are going to be reflecting on, on what happens as we work out Easter. The text this morning is often called the Emmaus Road text. It's going to be Luke 24 from 13 to 35. This picks up on what we think is Easter afternoon. Might be late morning, but probably Easter afternoon. Hear now God's word for us today. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. 
There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what, they had, hap- what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. We're going to start today by talking about some bad dreams. You ever have, you ever have a bad dream? Maybe even a recurring nightmare? Well, I have, and this is, as nightmares go, pretty light stuff, but, but I have this recurring dream often on Saturday nights about preaching. And usually it involves preaching in a strange church, and I showed up and no one told me I was preaching, and they didn't give me any sense of what they wanted, and somehow, even after I scrawl some notes, they keep taking my notes away, and they never lead me to the pulpit. Most of the time, I end up in some strange back room, and they say, well, here you go, and they walk away, and, and I'm supposed to find my way there somehow. It's, it's really kind of a disturbing dream from a preacher's perspective. And I realized last night as I was thinking through the sermon that, that I was probably seating myself to have exactly that dream last night, but I didn't, so all is well. But all of us probably have some, some bad dreams, and maybe they're really awful, frightening dreams, or maybe they're just kind of strange and kind of off and just not quite right, but, but we have bad dreams where things just don't come right. And as these two disciples of Jesus are walking on the road to Emmaus, they're, they're living in a recurring bad dream that God's people were having at that time. They were looking back and they were, they were dwelling on the past and what could have been, what they'd hoped for, and how they were now disappointed. And really, these were the standard disappointed hopes and, and bad dreams of the Israelite people at this time. They were, they were oppressed. They were under Roman oversight. They, they could not live the way they wanted to live, culturally or religiously. And they kept having these hopes. They kept having these, these leaders, these messiahs who would come, and, and there would be this great hope that finally the kingdom would be realized, and then they would die. And this had gone on and on and on, and the disciples are, are at this point on Easter afternoon when they feel like it was just one more Messiah, just one more dream that wouldn't quite come together, just one more thing that just kept going wrong. And as they go along, Jesus comes up to them, and somehow they're, they're kept from recognizing him, and, and they, he asks, what's going on? What are they talking about? And the text tells us that the two of them, the disciples, stand there, and it's phrased a little bit funny, but it's kind of like they just stand still sad, just so sad, and so finished, like there's nothing left. And then Cleopas kind of shakes himself, and and he tells the story of Jesus, and he tells what what a couple commentators tongue-in-cheek call the gospel, the good news according to Cleopas. And it's kind of good news, but it kind of isn't. He's got... He's got the basic facts. There was Jesus who we'd hoped was the Messiah and and great things were happening, but then our own leaders, our own leaders betrayed him and he was killed and now the tomb is empty. But, But we don't know what to do with that. You know, at this point in the story, Cleopas and this other disciple, they have many of the facts, but they don't have the meaning of it. It's like they can tell the story, but they don't get it. Something is missing. And they talk about how Jesus was this great figure like the prophets, but, but there's no real sense that he's resurrected and they don't talk about him being God and there's, there's just all these pieces missing. So they don't yet have the gospel. All they can do is, is talk about this great guy, Jesus, and how, how we had hoped. 
we had hoped. But now there's nothing left. Now we, we had hoped. We had hoped, but now there's nothing left is often the refrain of humanity. Last week we celebrated Easter, and, and that's a big, wonderful service and a high point of the Christian year and a holiday, but, but now we're at the week after Easter. And often, even after the high spiritual points of our lives, we're back to, we had hoped. We had hoped. And you know, sometimes that's, that's because we have the wrong dream, or we have, we have a bad dream of what should be. And sometimes it's because we have, we have a dream that just doesn't quite have all the pieces arranged right. I think one of the one of the realities that we have to wrestle with as American Christians is that often our gospel, our good news, is a gospel of comfort. That we want to be comfortable and we want easy lives. And, and if we don't get that, then we, we have nothing to do but stand still and, and just be sad. We had hoped. We had hoped. But then Jesus meets them on the road in their, in their sadness and and in this midst of walking in what seems like a bad dream, and Jesus has good news to tell them. Good news. This is the cure for, for our hopelessness. And I, I don't know about you, but I sometimes have a little bit of a hard time waking up, and if I'm taking a nap, my kids might come in and say, Dad, it's dinner time. I say, what? 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 Dad, it's dinner time. What? And sometimes it takes me a couple minutes to get it, but, but dinner time at our house is good news. It's great. Okay, I, I get it. Well, Jesus comes to these disciples who are sleepwalking in some sense, and he begins to wake them up. And it's ironic here, by the way, if you didn't pick up on this, the disciples are walking along so sad and downcast, and the living Lord Jesus comes to them. And they still don't get it, and they're still kind of like, oh, man, life is just miserable. But Jesus is right there. And what Jesus does is, it's interesting, he doesn't just say, hey, it's me. He takes them back to the scriptures and he says, don't you understand that all of this was necessary? All of this was necessary. And Jesus doesn't really tell them anything new, but he puts all the pieces of the puzzle together for them and and he kind of starts to shake them out of their slumber. And here the the big piece that the disciples probably aren't getting and that, that the Jewish people weren't getting and that a lot of people in the Old Testament weren't getting was that the Messiah, that Jesus had to suffer. You see, what they wanted was a Messiah who would come and who would, who would conquer the Romans and bring in this new political kingdom and where everything would be wonderful and easy all the time. But Jesus himself comes and, and he says, no, no, no. The suffering of the Messiah... The suffering of the Messiah is the key that opens the way for you to really understand the Scriptures. The suffering of the Messiah is really what opens the door to salvation. That is the key. And the people of that time, even God's own people who He had been working with for centuries, they didn't understand that. They could not see, they could not see God's chosen one suffering. And yet that was God's plan. And yet that's how Jesus delivers these two disciples and all of his followers through his suffering and through his death. And it is that, it is that good news that in his death, Jesus paid for our sins. In his suffering, he took our burdens upon himself and so he was able 
in his resurrection to save us. That was the piece of the puzzle that was missing on the Emmaus Road as those two people walked along and talked. And it's the piece that completes the puzzle. Now I wonder for us, what piece of the puzzle are we missing? What, what part of the puzzle of God's plan are we not seeing and so it doesn't quite make sense? And, and I think for us so often, just like on the Emmaus Road, the piece of the puzzle that we are missing is that it was necessary that in fact it was part of God's plan that Jesus should suffer and die. And that makes for a completely different faith. You see, if we have a God who, who never chose to go through suffering, if we have a God who always worked things out perfectly, then, then honestly we have a God who somehow doesn't fit this world. It would be wonderful, wouldn't it, if everything was just nice all the time? But if you are any kind of honest, you will have to recognize that life is broken and life has jagged edges and there are terrible things in this world and there are terrible things in all of our hearts. And so we need a Savior who doesn't come along and just, just have everything go right. We need a Savior who can dig down to the very roots of all the problems in this world and, and who is able to address them and to do away with them. Because if we had a Savior who came and just just had a wonderful life and led us in wonderful lives, there would still be all of that trouble that would need to be dealt with somehow. And so it is good news here that Jesus gives these disciples that in fact, the suffering Messiah, the suffering Messiah did come and did suffer and did die and rose again. And so we, we have hope. The good news is not comfortable news but it is words of true comfort. And so today, as we, as we so often default into thinking that we want to be comfortable, that, that we want life to go smoothly, what we need is to open our eyes and to hear the true good news that what we need is to have evil done away with. What we need is to follow the journey of Christ through death, but then on into new life. We need our eyes opened too. So Jesus gives this good news and and then he gives the disciples a renewed vision. We need this to, to come to life for us. We can't just hear this intellectually and, and have the power that we need to step into life, but we need to see Jesus. So the gospel of Cleopas, so to speak, he has all the facts, but, but then Jesus puts the puzzle together in the right way, and, and then we come to the next step in this story. And these two disciples, they're going to stop in a particular town, and Jesus, Jesus says he's going to go on, but they, they make him stop. They almost force him to stop. The road is not safe. It's dark out here, and it's going to get worse. There are animals. There are bandits. There are all kinds of things. You do not want to be on this road at night. And so they almost drag Jesus in to stay with them. They are being hospitable to him, they think. So Jesus comes as their guest, but, but then they sit down to dinner, and Jesus takes on the role of host. And as Jesus breaks the bread and, and gives it to them to eat, their eyes are opened. And it's not they open their eyes, it's that their eyes are open, that God finally pulls back a veil somehow, and they see Jesus. He's risen, he's here, it's Jesus. And the whole day, and the whole week, and their whole life suddenly makes sense. And if we put ourselves there, some of us might just 
grab hold of the table and freeze in wonder and amazement. And, and some of us might jump up and knock our chair over and, and just, just start shouting, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. A couple of us might faint. But this is Jesus opening the disciples' eyes and showing them that, that really, he has risen. And so really, all the facts that he has taught them, the puzzle he has put together for them, it comes to life. It is real. Now, it's worth reflecting on how we react to this news that Jesus is really risen. Some of us might have that moment again or for the first time of, wow, finally, finally there's hope, finally there's life. Some of us might be, might be just brought into total quiet and total amazement. Jesus is risen. Jesus is risen. But I suspect for many of us here today on this, on this week after Easter, for a lot of us, this is old news. It's good news, but it's old news. It doesn't really grab us. Well, what, what Luke's story intends to do for us today is to, is to again shake us out of the slumber that we tend to fall into, is to again remind us that this is not a dream. This is the deepest reality. This is true that Jesus Christ came, suffered, died, rose again, and lives forever for us, for us. This is the greatest good news that you will ever hear. And so today I invite you again by, by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us to see again that Jesus has truly risen. We always need that vision renewed. Always. And then the disciples respond, and they respond by, by continuing on the journey of faith. So they have walked this road from Jerusalem to Emmaus once, but then they walk it back again. And, and it's the difference between, well, maybe the difference between going to, a, going to a dentist appointment and leaving, or the difference between going to a, to a job interview that you think you're just going to bomb, and then it goes amazing, and they offer you the job on the spot with greater salary, more benefits than you could imagine. And so, so you get back in your car, and you drive home, and you just feel this great lightness. Oh, it's wonderful. Well, that is where the disciples are now. Instead of, being, instead of being stuck in that point of we had hoped, we had hoped, they are now in that point where, where he's here. He's here. He has risen, and we have seen him. We have seen him. And so they are running down this road back to Jerusalem to spread the good news. The journey of despair has become a journey of joy. And having encountered Jesus, the disciples live totally differently. Totally differently. They are now equipped. They are now encouraged. They are now empowered. And so they go off to tell people, Jesus has risen. And I want you to note two things about this. First, that the disciples are completely transformed. They started out this journey moping and sad, and now they are rejoicing and dancing along and notice, too, that this road, a dark and scary road that they had insisted that Jesus not walk down because, because it's, it's dangerous, they don't care anymore. 
Jesus' resurrection makes everything else irrelevant. This is the central fact, the good news that changes everything. And so the disciples have this, have this sense that their hearts are burning within them and, and everything will be okay because Jesus has risen. So who cares what happens next? We're going to follow him. And that is where the Lord wants to bring all of us his people. We still have regular lives. We still have all our fears. We still have all our concerns. But the Lord intends to bring us to a place where because of his resurrection, we can dance and sing and we can rejoice. And it doesn't matter what else happens to us. There is incredible comfort and freedom there. But then, and you can stop with the comfort and freedom if you need to today. But if you feel like you're in a good place there and you can keep going, but then there's this next thing. That the disciples, well, they walked two ways on that Emmaus road. And we often talk about the Emmaus road. If you hear this in Christian circles, as, as people on a journey and people exploring and people not sure of Jesus yet, and I think that's very valid. That's where the disciples are in the afternoon. And that's a good place for people to be, to be, to be exploring, to be walking with Jesus. And we want people to walk with Jesus. And, and if you aren't quite sure about Jesus, we want you here and we want to walk with you on that journey But what we don't often talk about is that the disciples go back on that same road and they are no longer, they are no longer looking for Jesus. Jesus has found them. They are no longer wondering and curious. They are certain and they are sure and they are rejoicing wildly and they are running down that dark road because they have the light of Christ within them. And that is where the Lord wants to bring us. Not to a place where we are wondering and wandering, not to a place where we're scared and uncertain, not to a place where we are apathetic and relaxed, but to a place where we are on fire, where we have this burning within us that we know that the Lord has risen, where we know that the Lord has risen and where nothing else matters in comparison to that. We are far too often a comfortable people. We here in Elmhurst and the surrounding area, far too often, we just want good, easy lives. And we as a church over the years and decades, I think, have far too often been far too comfortable. We have wanted to not rock the boat. We have wanted to keep things smooth. And all of that is good. There are good things about receiving the blessings the Lord has given us. There are good things about being well-organized and doing all things decently and in good order. But I wonder, I suspect, I think that sometimes we have prioritized too much being comfortable and we have not prioritized enough living into the reality of Jesus' resurrection. Because you see, when we really get when we really experience, when we really have that renewed vision that that the resurrection is real and that Jesus is here, that He is here, that this is true, that the good news of Jesus suffering, dying, and rising again belongs to you and to us. When we really receive that, everything is different. And then we are on a different kind of journey where our priority is no longer our comfort, where our priority is no longer, no longer looking back and saying we had hope, but where our priority is to declare that Jesus has risen. And now I, I want to circle back just a little bit. Because you see, you could hear that as, oh, okay, 
the pastor is beating us up again. When's he going to be done? Yada, yada, yada. We need to witness more. If that's what you're hearing, then just ignore what I've said. That's not what I'm trying to get you to hear. What I'm trying to get you to hear is that Jesus has truly risen and that he has come to us. This is not just some story of some road 2,000 years ago where a couple guys met up with some other guy and there's a nice story. And No, this is, this is when everything changes. This is that moment when Jesus comes to you and where, where he invites you to become more and more one of his people where he invites you to receive his resurrection power within you and so to live as if everything is different, to live with that sense that that you are completely safe because the Lord is holding on to you. You know, in in Psalm 23, which is probably the best-known part of the Bible, we always talk about how that's the good shepherd, that the Lord leads us through the dark times, and he does that. But that text also talks about how the Lord is the good host, how the Lord brings us to be in his house forever. And here in Emmaus, we, we see a picture of a good shepherd and a good host who, who, meets, who meets Jesus' disciples where they are and brings them along, brings them through the dark of their misunderstanding and lack of faith and brings them to a better place, but also, also Jesus the host. Jesus, who in the breaking of bread welcomes these disciples as his guests and says, you are now my family. And in that, somehow they receive the assurance that that they are ultimately and completely safe and home because they are in the presence of Jesus Christ. And what I want and what I pray for all of us is that we would understand that in Jesus Christ, we are always completely home. And so we are safe forever. No matter what happens to us, no matter how our lives go, we are safe forever in Jesus Christ. And once we have that sense truly burned into our hearts, then we can be on fire for the Lord because truly, truly we have everything we need. So if you're at a point where you are really secure in your faith, then I want to invite you to, to ask what road the Lord is leading you down to do more. But if you aren't quite there, then I want to invite you just to look to Jesus, to see that he has risen and to renew your vision of our risen Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Lord, we do ask today that you renew our vision of you. Father, we have to confess that, that all of us came here this morning not really where we should be, not really where we want to be, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, for some of us even physically. But Lord, we are here. We are here. And Father, whether we, are, whether we are walking the Emmaus Road one direction or the other, we pray that you would work in us to continue to help us walk more and more with you. Father, so often the gospel becomes old news for us, and so we pray that you, that you reactivate, it, reactivate it in our hearts and minds. Help us again to rejoice in seeing our risen Savior and celebrating the reality that his resurrection changes everything in our lives. Father, we need you desperately. We pray that you help us to receive and to live into the work of Christ. And we pray that you dwell in us through your Holy Spirit and and give us the burning fire that we need to live for you in all that you provide for us. We pray all this in your name. Amen.